It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the CFPs on the program. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. The SECURE Act 2.0 will impact your financial life and financial decisions that you should be making. The question is not if it will, it's how it will. And that's what we're going to be covering today with you. The biggest ways the SECURE Act 2.0 will impact your financial plan. That and more on this episode. All right, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, guys. This is just we're keeping it real. Every show, the Wise Money Show, is unscripted, but that little tagline, I usually write and tee up, and Josh always changes it, but he actually read the right- I'm honoring you today, He read it today, so (laughs) maybe I did it right. I don't know. I don't know. All right, if you have any questions for the program, and you're going to have a lot. We're talking about the Secure Act, guys. It just changed everything. If you have any questions or need some help, my goodness, we are here to help you. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000, online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, especially the YouTube channel. So much content in the Secure Act 2.0. We've made a lot of it, distilling a lot of it to you uh, through the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Search the Wise Money Show. All right, so the, the omnibus spending bill, I, 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 we were at Christmas Eve, I think, and I got the notice that it passed and that president still needed to sign it. But I'm like, the omnibus spending, $1.7 trillion. Oh, this is the Secure Act 2.0. So over 4,000 pages that not a single senator read, I'm sure. Uh, Just just kidding. I I hope some of them did. A hundred tax law changes, some of them enormous. Now, we're still digesting the Secure Act 1.0. And guys, I want to get your opinions on this really quick before we get into the details. But Secure Act, you know, all these things have, it's an acronym. So setting every community up for retirement enhancement. I think that's malarkey if i can use my dad you know a, a dad uh adjective um what do you guys think of the secure act 2.0 good bad indifferent thoughts well as i am uh approaching the double nickel here as it relates to age i i'm tired i'm, ti- <laughs> I'm doggone it i am i am tired of them moving the cheese i mean one of the things like one of the greatest things to me as a planner and a guy that works with small business owners is we would talk to small business owners and they would say, Hey, I need a retirement plan. Um, I don't, I want to sp- put my money into people, not a retirement plan. How can we do that? Well, simple area is a great option and it can be a great option depending, but you didn't have the Roth as, as a, an opportunity. Yeah. And so that was problematic because if you had people who were literally paying no federal taxes, putting money into pre-tax money, that's a bad deal. You, okay, so here's the thing. I'm getting all excited right now because now you've got the Roth. We're going to explain this more. But they've they've made it not simple anymore. Oh, the yeah. simple IRA yeah. used to be simple, but oh, right. if only we could Roth. Well, now we can Roth, but it's so not simple anymore. Right, and so this is the thing. I, I, I've spent my whole career telling people, uh, the difference between the simple IRA and the 401k and how do you make your decisions and all this stuff. And now they just, they've changed everything. So that's okay. We are, this is a show about financial planning and we want to help people make great financial planning decisions. There's never been a better time in the history of the world to accumulate wealth. Um, but there's never been a more complicated time. 
And um, thank you, federal government, for stepping in and making it just exponentially more complicated. <laughs> that, right. that was his sarcastic voice. It's uh, it's job security for the nerdy financial advisors in the world, well, though, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll if t- you can keep up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And if you do financial planning, that's right. right. That's right. You know, I I agree though that. <clears throat> We've spent most of our career explaining certain rules that were pretty stable for a long, long time until the SECURE Act came out. And now the SECURE Act 2.0 adds a whole nother tidal wave of change. So, you know, even we as financial advisors that live and breathe this all day, every day and try to understand the rules of the game, and the rules change over time, and therefore the strategies need to change. So that's what we're going to try to unpack today is not just hey, uh, what are those rule changes, but what does it mean for you? And it's still early, though. I mean, I I think most of the financial world was still trying to figure out how does the strategy change from Secure Act 1.0 at some level, right? Yeah, the IRS still is is trying to interpret some rules regarding this first big change we're going to talk about. So the big idea is, is things are changing. You've got to take a fresh look at all six areas of your financial life to see, well, the decisions that I've been making, the stuff I've been doing in my finances, is that still the wise choice? Or with these changes, is there now a better option out there? So there's no way we're going to hit all 100. We're going to hit more of them next week as well. But I tried to distill it into, okay, what are the biggest changes within the SECURE Act 2.0? And the first one is the change to required minimum distributions again. Mm -hmm. So let's get into those rules. Yeah, you know, for most of our career, we quoted this strange age that you had to start pulling money out of your retirement accounts, your traditional retirement accounts, at age 70 and a half. And uh, the first round of Secure Act, Secure Act 1.0, raised that to 72. At least it was a nice even number, right? Right. right. And uh, now they're they're changing it again. They're increasing it even further. It jumps now to age 73, on its way to age 75, and so. Um, it's a it's a moving target, but basically it just means you get to wait a little longer before the government makes you start pulling money out of those accounts. If you are born, if your birth year is 1960 or or earlier or later or however you want to view that, right, 1960 or after, then your required minimum distribution age is 75. Uh, for everyone else now, it's 73 unless you've already started your required minimum distribution. And this weird rule means no one is aging into RMD this year. No one. Because last year, the RMD age was 72. And you would have started last year, and you've got to continue taking it this year then. Well, if you were 72 last year, then you're turning 73 this year. And therefore, no one turning 73 this year We'll have to start RMD because you were 72 last year and you started it last year. Does that make sense? It's a little confusing. No, it, Mike, actually, it makes no <laughs> sense. And I would say if you're if you're somewhere between 70 and 80, you need to be talking to your tax planner and your financial planner and making sure you're getting all of this right. We're going to hit this same nonsensical y- year gap in 2023 or 2033 because when it changes to age 75. But uh, a couple things with this. There, We were just talking about this before we started, uh, got on the air. There's a lot of dissenting opinion about this. To me, required minimum distribution, I don't like required anything, especially taxes. Uh, so <laughs> financial planning is all about choice maximizing the number of choices you have and then picking the very best one. So if they're delaying this requirement, oh, 
great. You now have more choice, more flexibility. But there's a lot of people out there that say, well, wait a second. Now, if you don't draw until 75, your IRA is presumably bigger and you're still age 75. So when you take the when you turn on your required distribution, you've got to take out a larger amount. How that calculation works is based on your the size of your IRA or your pre-tax retirement accounts the year before, but then divided by a, a factor, a divisor based on your life expectancy. Well, at 75, your life expectancy is still what it was today at 75. And therefore, it's a larger amount you need to take out from your RMD. To me, that's not a negative. That just means more planning. That's right. It, you know, the people that dissent against a later requirement date, they're assuming that you're not doing something proactive in your right. financial life. And one of the things that we're often talking about are Roth conversions, moving that IRA money over into a Roth and paying the tax proactively. Well, now you have a couple more years where you, you've got free reign to be able to do that. Because keep this in mind, when you start taking your required minimum distributions out of an account, that required amount cannot be converted. Right. Right. Uh, but, you know, just one year earlier, when you were a little bit younger, you could have taken that same dollar amount and converted it over to a Roth. So now you're just buying yourself more time to be strategic in your thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Be proactive with your planning. And uh, I don't know, I, I see this entirely as a positive thing. Inherited IRAs, those rules haven't changed, but we still don't have clarity. Despite these 4,000 pages, Congress didn't help the IRS give us clarity as to when you inherit a pre-tax IRA, you've, you now have to withdraw the entire account within 10 years. Secure Act 1.0 got rid of what's called the stretch IRA. We're not going to go into that right now. You've got to withdraw the entire account. The account needs to be empty within 10 years. And uh, But the IRS is still trying to determine, well, do you need to take a required minimum distribution each of those 10 years as well as have it empty in 10 years? Or is it just have the account empty? I think they're going to say you've got to do an RMD and have the account empty in 10 years. But that's for inherited accounts. No changes with that. Guys, this is the easy one. This is probably the one you already knew about. Big changes in the Secure Act 2.0. We're helping with that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. You got to rethink the 529 right now because of these new rules. How are you planning with the 529? The Secure Act 2.0, you've got to take a fresh look at that. We're helping you with it right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com. Careful with your coffee cup on that microphone, Kevin. Here, here. And all over. <laughs> Social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Okay, we're hitting the big changes, the biggest changes in the Secure Act 2.0. There's a hundred tax law changes, guys. We're not going to hit everything. We're not going to scratch the surface. I hope we're going biggest to smallest, though. In my opinion, the biggest is the now 529 to Roth IRA transfer that they're allowing starting in 2024. I don't think they're going to have this figured out by then. And I think the way they wrote the rules, there's probably not going to be many people that can actually pull it off that soon. But yes, you heard you heard us right. Starting next year, you're going to be able to move money from a 529 plan directly into a Roth IRA. How's it work? Yeah, there's a bunch of catches to all that, right? The, the 529 plan had to have been open for 15 years, I believe. Um, you're limited over your lifetime on how much you can do of these types of transfers. 35,000. 35, and Wait, each time 35 you, in your lifetime? Correct. Yeah. So, okay. I'm, I, and I think that's getting, that might be getting figured out. 
Okay. So the all of these rules, guys, especially this one, it makes no sense, and it's such a huge debacle. I I wouldn't be surprised if we know more of the details over time. Yep. Sure. Yep. And and they can change, right? Yeah. I mean, Congress can uh, add addendums and make make adjustments and so on. But one of the other, uh, I guess, caveats that we would add to this is that when you make a transfer from the 529 plan to the Roth IRA, it's treated as a contribution. Right. So you're limited in how much you can do each year. Right now, of course, the contribution limits for a Roth IRA are 6500 bucks, And... Um, so, you know, it, it will take you some time to reach that $35,000 limit over over your lifetime. You could either max out your Roth IRA for a few years or maybe you use your 529 plan to just supplement the savings that that recently graduated yeah. student of yours uh, is making to their own Roth IRA. So the 529 needs to be open for 15 years. I think there's going to be a boom of 529 plans open this year. Good. Um the money that you transfer from that 529 to your Roth cannot be money that you contributed within the last five years. So you can't just open this 529 for yourself right now and then think, well, I'm going to throw money into that. And if I make too much money, I, I don't know. There's just I don't a know lot. how they would track that. I one. don't know either. No, it, I don't so know any of this. it's all voluntary compliance. But here's, here's the interesting thing, which um, I've had a theory or philosophy from the very beginning is that if you just max out what you can do or what makes sense from a tax planning perspective, any of the the coupons that the government gives you. So for instance, if you lived in the state of Indiana in 2022, you'd likely put 5,000 into a 529 plan and you get a you get a 20% credit on that or a thousand bucks back on your taxes. Well, in 2023, they moved it to 7,500 bucks, so now I can get $1,500 back. If you've been doing that all along and people say, well, do I really need to do that all along? What if I don't have kids? What if I don't have kids that are going to college? What if my kids have already gone to college? The, if you're going to end your life with extra money left over, the 529 plan is actually a great place to have money sure. when you die. As a matter of fact, so is the Roth IRA, and a traditional IRA isn't isn't a bad place either. So we've often called the 529 plan the, the Roth IRA, but for college, uh, because as you make contributions, there's no tax deduction on those contributions. The investment activity is sheltered within it, so it grows tax-deferred. And then when you withdraw your contribution— well, you never deducted it in the in the first place, so no biggie. When you withdraw the growth, as long as you used it for qualified educational expenses, then it's tax-free. So very similar to the Roth. I'm explaining this because, Kevin, one of the things that the states will now need to figure out is when you then use that 529 money and move it over to your Roth, do you have to repay any of those state benefits that you got for making your contribution? <laughs> I would assume that you would, but... The states yeah. have, if we're all scrambling to figure out what this means and the IRS is sc going to scramble to figure out how to interpret this, states are definitely going to scramble to say, well, then what should we do? Yeah. And the interesting thing is if you started with the Indiana 529 plan in 2007, when they first came out with this credit, you've got some money in your plan. If you've been taking money out as you go and then you say, okay, I can't, I can't take any money out that's been put in in the last five years. You, there's no way you could distinguish between right. money I put in in 2007 that's at the bottom of the barrel and money that I just 
Yeah, exactly. Account. Exactly. They'd have to come up with some sort of last in, first out type of rule that they do on other in other areas. But um, to me, this solves part of the concern that a lot of families, when they look at 529 plans, there's almost this hesitancy to get extra dollars or too much money in a 529 plan. In other words, they don't want to get to the end of the college years and have leftover surplus because the rules are when you pull money out of a 529 plan, if you're not using them for college, those qualified college expenses that Mike was referring to, then you have to pay taxes on the growth and a 10% penalty. And that just kind of freaks some people out. Even if we're talking tiny little dollars and you were still economically better off having that money growing for you in the account, paying a little bit of tax, maybe even a little bit of penalty at the end is not the end of the world. But with the Secure Act 1.0 and the 2.0 now, they've given you some outs here. Yeah. You with uh, Secure Act 1.0, remember you're allowed to pull ten thousand dollars out and use it to pay for student loans. So that was kind of a, a way to not worry too much. I've got an extra ten grand of a buffer there. You also now, as we're saying, you can basically flip those dollars out of the five twenty nine into a Roth IRA, taking them from education purpose to now retirement. And what a wonderful way to help your recent graduate, your now adult son or daughter, get some money going for their own retirement. You already benefited, hopefully, from letting dollars accumulate over time in an education account without being taxed. Now, what if you could add a whole bunch of decades and let this money grow tax-free for their retirement? The 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 compounding power of that is pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, as you get all you know, starry-eyed and 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 <laughs> <laughs> you're falling in love with this concept. This this is the perfect financial planning uh, issue right here because it brings up all kinds of things. What what sh- it it appears as though it's a thirty-five thousand dollar per lifetime per beneficiary, mm-hmm. as I understand it. <laughs> right. So yeah. if you have three kids, that's thirty-five for each. And so, you know, Joshy over here is getting all excited. And, and um, but the thing is, you, you have to talk to your financial planner to say, hey, do I have if, if I had three kids, do I have an extra hundred and five grand that I can funnel through the 529 plan? And then again, if I'm in the state of Indiana, is Indiana going to claw back the credit that they give me as we go? And and but but then when should i give that money to my children right should i give it to them right when they're out of college i i don't think so it, but and if i give them 35 grand and i put it in over time can they take the basis out cuz if they can right. take the basis out uh and they understand it and they're not perfectly responsible now i'm sure if you're listening today your kids are all very responsible but um that there are some folks that, whose kids couldn't handle having that extra money. Wow. Or, or what about the habit? Sorry, Josh, I'm cutting you off. But what about you? when your child starts their career, starts working, you want them to build the habit of saving up for their future. But what if for the first, what what would that be, five years or so? You say, no, 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 no. I, I got this for you. Mom and dad got this for you. <laughs> you just go continue your experience. Instead of building these habits that will actually – help you be financially free over the long term. We got you. What if though, you know, you you created almost a match incentive where you said, "Hey, I've got these leftover 529 plan dollars. I will start feeding them into your Roth IRA if you're doing the same." You know, almost oh. like an employer would. Okay, so back that truck up a little bit. <laughs> what if 
you said to your kids, I've got this much money in your 529 plan. You're going to college. If you use it all for college, it's gone. If you don't, there'll be money that I can put into a Roth IRA after you're done with college. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, instead of Ivy League, they might be thinking Ivy Tech. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the big idea here, I think the aim of Congress was to help manage or help reduce the future growth of the student loan debt crisis. I don't think this does it, guys. I love the financial planning implications, and you should talk to your CFP about how you should make some changes with this, but I don't think it touches the the student loan debt ceiling. Guys, or or debt (laughs) issue. All right, lots more changes to come. We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Catch-up contributions are getting a very confusing overhaul. Uh, how does it work? And then how does it impact your financial plan? We're helping with that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Hitting Secure Act changes. And listen, if we're, you're getting a bite-sized chunk right now, make sure you go to the Wise Money YouTube channel. Subscribe to it because we're ta- we've talked about all of these changes um, specifically in the planning implications right there on that channel. So go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there, make sure you turn on notifications. All right, here we go. The the third big change within the Secure Act 2.0 that we're talking about is new catch-up contributions. And again, I'll just tell you, this is sort of the theme with Secure Act 2.0. You now have more options, but they've made it so stinking confusing, it almost feels like it's a negative. So how's it work? Well, let's let's start with IRAs. So with an IRA, they took the IRA contribution limit from 6,000 to 6,500. And the catch-up contribution starts at fifty, so I can do an extra thousand on top of that. So think starts at age fifty. Age fifty. Yeah, yep. that's what I said. And so um, at, <laughs> at age fifty, I can do seventy-five hundred. Right, one of the uh, few yep. benefits of getting older. So you can do seventy-five hundred, but that thousand is gonna is gonna go up with inflation. Now, thankfully. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So so that is and we're and we're hoping inflation goes up very little. And so we're yeah. hoping that doesn't change that much actually. Right. So so and mm-hmm. a lot of times people are a little, a little confused because you can do a traditional IRA which would think pre-tax or you can do after tax in that traditional IRA or if you, depending on your income you can do a Roth IRA. So there's you, you anyone who has earned income or who has a spouse who does at least you know, seventy five hundred, or for a couple fifteen thousand, you could put, you could fully fund an IRA. And people think, well, it's I either can fund an IRA or a four hundred one k, and that simply is not the truth. Yeah, that's exactly right. You you actually have multiple buckets available to you if you work for an employer that's offering a four hundred one k, and uh, those those limits have been increasing as well. Um, the the four hundred one k catch up contribution is up to seventy five hundred bucks now. Yeah, at age fifty. Yep, at age fifty, um, which means if if everyone can contribute up to twenty two thousand five hundred, and at age fifty you can do another seventy five hundred, it's now thirty thousand dollars that you can contribute to a four hundred one k if you're over age fifty. If you would have asked me that early in my career, that that would have been the limit, I would have said no way. There's no. That's not yeah. possible. Right. Right. And it is. So the the complexity though that Mike is referring to is that they've added another tier. 
another age that we have to keep track of, and it's age 60. But it's not just that. If they would have added another tier and then that's it until you ride off into retirement, I think that would. I think everyone would say, yeah, that's a little more confusing, but I get it. That's great. Uh-huh. And they, they, But now there's a calculation involved? I feel Is that like, what's making you angry? No. No. So here's how it works, guys. At age 60, instead of having a $7,500 catch-up, it's now ten grand or 150% of what the current catch-up is, which, by the way, 150% of the current catch-up is 11250 So why even put the ten grand in there? So it might make sense. Well, okay, at age 50, I have one catch-up, and then when I turn 60, I have a new catch-up. And that's sort of the case, but sort of not, because you've got this unique catch-up contribution of either ten grand or one hundred and fifty percent of the of the catch-up, so you've got this higher catch-up. The year you turn age sixty, the year you turn age sixty-one, the year you turn age sixty-two, and the year you turn age sixty-three. What happens at sixty-four? It goes back to the old catch-up. <laughs> of Six, course, of course. Why, why wouldn't you do I it mean, that right? way? <laughs> I mean, if you didn't see that coming. <laughs> That makes no sense. Follows logic. It's it, it it makes perfect sense, Mike. So at <laughs> age sixty four, your catch up contribution would drop back down to seventy five hundred, and it would be that at sixty five, sixty six, sixty seven, and then whenever you retire. It makes no sense. Just just switch it at age sixty and say this is your new catch up. If you're age sixty or older, here here's your catch up. Right. Yeah. Wow. It's all, so what is ketchup? And, and in my brain is stuck this Simpsons episode of Mr. Burns. Ketchup? Ketchup. Ketchup? Ketchup. So, but what is a ketchup? It is, you've got, you've got a, a, a you're in the home stretch here before retirement. And if you're behind, we're going to give you an extra little amount that you can contribute if you're trying to play catch up. So, if that's the case, if that's the premise, then why give this little four year from 60 to 63 spot if you're really behind that probably means you got to work at 64 and at 65 and at 66 and 67 as well. You're probably working those years. Most of us will, by the way. That's not like just just if you're behind. Most of us will need to work that long. Make the catch up go all the way till then. I agree. Mike, I, I, agree. I, I, you've convinced me. No, okay. I think you should relish these changes. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, it, it, this ketchup is it, it, is perfect. It's just the right thing to put on top. But when you said it's a new tier, I was thinking it's a new T E A R. Yes, it is a new tier. <laughs> yeah. uh, to the, the, you can follow the tracks of my tiers. I, as I look at this, this is why you need to be working with. A financial planner because I can't tell you how many times we started working with folks and we'll sit down and folks that are you know have their act together and they're like yep we're maxing out our retirement plans we're doing our five uh 529 we're doing HSA all this stuff and they're they they either are not or they're not maxing it out and it's it's amazing to me that's not a it's not a critique it's not a criticism it is it's an observation of how incredibly complex life is. And if you're pretty good at stacking Benjamins, um, you might not have a ton of time to be doing other stuff, like looking at your paycheck stub to make sure that um, your the catch-up contribution is happening now that you're 50-plus or fill-in-the-blank. And this is why you need both a, a coach and, and I'm going to uh, say like a CFO, uh, 
um, overseeing things, making sure that you're getting done all the things that you want to get done. Yep, yep. Or the things that you need to get done based on your retirement plan, right? Because sure. you yeah, you may not even be able to quantify just yet, well, how much do I need to be contributing? And mm-hmm. do I need to make up for some lost time because I didn't get started real early? Or there were those child-rearing years where it was a, a little bit tight and harder to contribute to long-term goals like retirement. But uh, there's, there's coming a day for many people where they are empty nesters, mm-hmm. they're at their peak earning years, mm-hmm. and here, here's another one that might allow you to, to actually take advantage of these larger catch-up contributions. There may be inheritance dollars that are coming at some mm-hmm. point. And often that can be the game changer for a lot of people where, you know, if, if you heard me say earlier that at age 50 you can start contributing $30,000 to a retirement plan and you're like... I don't have 30 grand lying around to be able to contribute. I don't have that much margin in my budget. Um, that's bigger than what I need it to be. So I, I don't even need this catch up. Well, maybe you will, though, if all of a sudden you start receiving some dollars that uh, maybe you you didn't earn in a paycheck, but you received it as a gift or an inheritance. And, and all of a sudden, that extra catch up contribution can make a big difference on your tax planning and your readiness for retirement. So... In simple terms, you inherit a hundred grand in an IRA from mom. You now have to take that hundred grand out within ten years, and as you take it out, you have to report it on your tax return. Well, what if you take that out and you increase your four hundred one k contribution by ten grand because you're now allowed to because of these strange, confusing, frustrating yet looser mm-hmm. catch up contributions? Yeah, you just neutralize that extra income that's, from mom's inheritance. That's right? exactly right. So, and there's there's some mistakes in the language of this this rule that the IRS or Congress will need to clean up. Uh, we can talk about that later. I got to sneak in one other thing. We'll probably pick this up in the next segment as well. While I love all of that, and again, the Secure Act 2.0 creates a lot of new options that are very confusing, but it gives you choice. There's a catch-up contribution rule within the SECURE Act 2.0 that actually eliminates choice. And that is, if you are what's called a a high wage earner, so you make more than $145,000, there's a rule now that requires your catch-up contribution to go on the Roth side of your 401k. You have no choice. And this isn't, well, when you turn 60. No, any catch-up contribution. So starting at age 50, if you're contributing the catch-up contribution and you make more than that, it has to go into the Roth 401k. What if your 401k doesn't offer a Roth? Get this. No one at the entire company will be able to do a Roth or a catch-up contribution. No one. So it effectively is going to force every plan to update their rules to allow a Roth 401k. We're going to pick that back up. And then there's a few other smattering of of other changes in the Secure Act 2.0. We're going to help you with that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Are you going to be required to have your matching contribution go in to the Roth 401k at a time when maybe you're looking for tax deductions? We're explaining that rule and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen, go check it out. Subscribe to us there and then you know rate the program as well. We appreciate that. All right, so we left off. We're, we're talking through the biggest changes. 
uh, within the Secure Act 2.0 that will impact, not if they'll impact, they will impact your financial plan, your financial decisions. So you need comprehensive financial planning to distill, all right, what would wisdom do? You just keep on doing what you're doing? Or is there a forced change? Or is there now a better option? You've got to look at all six areas of your financial life to determine whether that's the case. So many of these rules are tax rules that impact how you save present financial position, what your, going, what your condition will be like in retirement, retirement planning, and how you should save up and therefore invest these dollars investment planning. I mean, right there alone, that's easy Four of the six areas of your financial life, and they certainly all have estate implications as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So one of the rules we just left off on, but I, I want to just kind of draw it out a little bit more, is there's a new rule starting in 2024 that if you make more than $145,000 and you're doing a catch-up contribution, your catch-up contribution must go in the Roth 401k, so no longer deducted. This is one of the few requirements built in. A lot of the Secure Act 2.0 just gives you more choice. This is a requirement, so not sure how, how I feel about that. But guys, how do you feel about it? What are some of the planning implications you might draw out? You know, uh, a lot of times we're, we're working with clients that are in their peak earning years, their age 50 to retirement, that, that age band. They're trying to play catch up on a goal and they're in a higher tax bracket than maybe they've ever been before, mm-hmm. potentially. Mm-hmm. And so those are, by definition, the folks who would benefit the most from pre-tax contributions uh, to the retirement account if they are in a, in a higher tax bracket. And so to kind of have this one pulled away and say, well, no, it's got to be after tax or it has to be Roth uh, catch-up contributions, it does feel like the government's just kind of forcing your hand to do something that may or may not be to your advantage. Um, there, there's nothing wrong with making a contribution to a Roth. I mean, let's let's at least state that, right? Like getting to retirement and having money in a Roth IRA is not a bad thing. It's just we like to have the control with our clients, right? Like we, we yeah. want to be able to have options and choice, not have it be dictated. So it just yeah, it some feels of those folks, gross. Some of those folks should be putting every penny some. into the Roth side of their 401k. Yeah. Sure. And some folks shouldn't be putting a penny. Right. Into the Roth side of their 401k. And so it would be nice to have that choice. The big idea, though, is you want to know what what should you be funding so that you've got various tax favored accounts when you hit retirement that you've got levers that you can pull and move and say, where how, where do I get the money from and, and how do I get it in a way that's the most tax favored way to live out the you know 20 or 30 years however long lord gives you to finish your life yeah. yeah uh okay so if i'm so when does the catch-up contribution start what age 50? 50 what's going on in the typical 50 year old's life at that time well, kids and kids college in college years. yeah depends yeah. on when you started with kids but they're either they're, they're either finishing college or getting started with college and there's a important tax credit that goes along with college. And, you know, while we're trying to deal with the student loan debt crisis, and they're even expanding some of these rules with the 529 plan to encourage people to save up and not need to rely on loans. I think there's going to be a bunch of people that need the American Opportunity Tax Credit at that time in their early 50s. And this reduces a deduction that they're going to be able to get and cause a lot of people to no longer receive 
the American Opportunity Tax Credit. That's exactly right. What Mike's referring to is a strategy that says, I'm going to help bring my income level down on the tax return and make myself eligible for some, some tax credits related to college. But I do that by making contributions to my retirement account. If all of a sudden your catch-up contributions can't count towards that effort, then what if you are just on the the cusp of being eligible and you can't get there because now your your catch-up contributions have to be Roth? Makes that HSA even more important now. You know, if you've got a high deductible, a qualifying high deductible health plan, that HSA and maxing it out is even more important, even a, a bigger piece of your retirement puzzle. One of the other changes, we're going to hit a, a, a few others and talk about planning implications. I told you there's just no way we're going to be able to explain all of them. Next week's show is going to be about the uh, the the Secure Act as well. But matching contributions, now apparently this is starting right now, I, I believe, uh, once companies get it figured out. But matching contributions can now go into the Roth 401k. I have... So we talked about this, guys. You might not remember. We talked about this a year ago before this was even being kicked around. It was, well, why why don't they let you do it? Well, now you're able to once they figure out the logistics of it. The question, though, is how are you going to handle the tax withholding? Because your matching, your employer match is now going to be included as income on your W-2, but there's no withholdings for it. And so it's essentially like doing a Roth conversion without having any taxes withheld. And I think that could get a lot of people because I, I like yeah. I like the idea of electing saying, you know what, I, I want I'm OK paying tax in 12 percent tax bracket or I'm OK paying tax in 22 percent tax bracket. So employer, will you just make my match or none percent tax bracket? Right. Yeah. We just make my match be Roth. I, I like the simplicity of it, but it's going to create some tax withholding challenges. Yeah, and and we were I don't know if we're going down a, a rabbit trail or not, but this this em, emergency savings where I can pull money out every year and and these various things. I do like if 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 you're starting, if you're just getting started and you say I'm working at a company that I probably won't end my career at this company, I would encourage you to put money on the Roth side almost no matter where you are because you're going to transition at some point. And those dollars, some of those dollars will be accessible to you in your transition. Right. So I I like having I, I like building in maximum flexibility and hopefully not using it. It's like having a home equity line of credit. I like to have it, I like to not use it. Yep. Yep. Uh you know, speaking of the employer match, there's there's also a provision in here that I don't think I, I haven't heard many people unpack this a whole lot just yet. But uh, allowing employers to build into their 401k the ability to make a match even though the employee didn't make a contribution to the plan, they instead made student loan payments. Yep. Another complexity, like how oh do my. you track that, right? Oh, my word. The, the kind of reporting that would have to go to the employer so that they know how much to match. But, you know, this is just kind of Congress throwing all kinds of ideas out there, trying to incentivize um, employers and recent graduates to get started on your retirement saving early. Who's paying on student loans? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. No, like th- this that incentive uh, assumes that people are going to have to start paying on their student loans, which they haven't had to do in two years. Yeah, 
three, almost three. So can you get knows? a match if the government pays your student loans for you? Oh, that's interesting. Interesting idea. All right. So a couple others we're going to sneak in and we're going to do more shows on this. But there's two. They've, they've loosened some of the rules and made new rules regarding how you can access your retirement plan dollars even when you're still working. And they've loosened those rules. I think this is in response to going through COVID. And the number one financial regret going through COVID was, I wish I had access to more cash. I wish I had a bigger emergency fund, something like that. The IRS is trying to put the cape on, or the Congress is trying to put the cape on and say, we're your hero. We will come in and save you. I think this is confusing and it's not officially going to be a help to anyone, in my opinion, okay? And we don't have time to fully unpack that opinion of mine, but there's a new emergency withdrawal exception, which gives you access to withdraw $1,000 a year out of your 401k. It's taxable, it's not penalized. You've got three years to pay that $1,000 back. You can take 1,000 each year, but only if you continue to contribute. You have to contribute another thousand before you can take another thousand out. It is so confusing. Oh, and yes. then another rule where they're going to allow you to make a a create an emergency fund attached to your 401k where you contribute into that instead of to your 401k up to $2,500. But if you make too much money, you're not allowed to do it. Ah, my goodness, guys. So lots of rules. The point is you need financial planning. Work with your CFP. How do these rules impact you? What adjustments do you need to make? Reach out to your CFP. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. It makes no sense. Yeah. It truly It's contradictory, doesn't. at least. Yep. Well, and, we've got a first here. And, and so, well, I... <laughs> I contributed to both my <laughs> first time in your career. You've been puzzled by something. No, the first time there's been any contradictory legislation passed. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.